Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Father and our God will bless you this morning. You are God all by yourself. From the beginning right to the end. From everlasting to everlasting. You are the Alpha and you are the Omega. Father, we are just privileged to be found on this part of eternity in you. For Father, I pleased you, Lord Jesus, that a season will come when people like us, Lord God, will be found in your equation. And so we thank you today because of who you are, Lord. Father, we bless you, Lord Jehovah, because of all men you looked and you had mercy upon us and you chose us and you called us. And so we bless you this morning and we worship you. Daddy, we exalt you this day. And Daddy, we ask today that, Father, Lord God, let there be the revelation of truth. Let there be the revelation of your mind. Let the mind of God be revealed to his people. Father, this is our prayer this morning. We glorify you. We exalt you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Please let us be seated. Hallelujah. I mean, for me, it's amazing how in the times of either great pains or the time of great trouble, men tend to change definitions. I remember a story told about a pilot. Now, this pilot was racist. And so in this flight, they had serious turbulence and they felt the only way to save this aircraft from crashing is to reduce the load. So all the cargoes and everything, they started throwing it off the board and they kept throwing and throwing. And after throwing everything, the threat of crash was still there. So the pilot now makes this announcement. Say, ladies and gentlemen, um, we are going to, for the sake of saving at least the life of some few, we are going to ask people to kindly, according to your continent or according to your color, your race, that you should just leave, exit the aircraft. And so he started and he said, if you know that you're from Africa, please Lift up your hands. Nobody answered. <laughs> he left Africa. He said, if you know you're a black in this flight today, please, can you kindly raise up your hand? Nobody answered. He left black. I said, if you're colored skin here, please, can you raise up your hand? Nobody answered. And he left that one. He said, if you're dark, colored in this particular, nobody answered. One little boy 
one little boy was there with his father, and obviously they are blacks. And he went to the next one. He said, if you are ebony in this particular flight, can you raise up your hand? Nobody answered. Then the little child at this particular point, confused. He knows that we are blacks now. We are colored. We are dark. We are this. And they are calling all of these things. Daddy is not responding to anyone. And then I tapped his father. I said, father, who are we? The father looked at him. We are Zulus today. <laughs> so... So when the thing gets tough, men will find definitions. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Last week, Sunday, pastor started an interesting series. And he titled that particular series, Children, Hear the Instructions of Your Father. And the first instruction that he gave to us that last week is that we should dare to dream. Praise the Lord. He said we should dare to dream. And he went further to tell us, a dream is an image in the mind of a person. I said usually it is something excellent and it is something beautiful. Now, that, that before something will ever be created, that it first and foremost has to be created in the mind. Now that if the thing is not created in the mind, then forget it. You cannot see it in the physical. And so, so most of the things that you see, most of the things that I see that we say magnificent, some of the things, the exploits of men that we see, that we all give all the praise to. Now most of those things we are first and foremost conceived in the mind. Please give me first Chronicles. First Chronicles 28. I'll read 11 and 12. First Chronicles 28. Please give me first Chronicles 28, 11 and 12. Then David gave his son, his son Solomon the plans for the vest, festival, his houses, his treasuries, the upper chambers, the lower chambers, and the place of mercy seat 12 and the plans for all that he by the spirit of god that all he had by the spirit of god of the courts of the house of the lord of all the chambers all around of the treasuries of the house of god and the treasuries of the dedicated things can i get this in um in niv niv let's see what how niv places it so that we we'll see it clearly that whenever God wants to do it, he gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind for the courts of the temple of the Lord. Let us stop there. Now, there's this principle of double creation. That whenever God wants to create something, God will first of all put that thing in the mind of a man. And now if the man is able to conceive the thing that God has put in his mind, the man will be able to create the thing. And that's the reason why if you ask people that are in the creative act, men that are in the creative act will tell you that the problem is not about doing the thing physically. The problem is for the man to be able to accurately conceive what he wants to do physically. 
The man that is the playwright, I will tell you that, look, what you're seeing in the screen, that you're shouting, awesome, who produced this movie? That anytime you see a great movie, that great movie is conceived first and foremost in the mind of a man. The man is able with his eyes, with vision, he's able to see the cast. He's able to see the setting. He's able to draw the picture. And so when the story comes out, you don't have any mistake that this is something that is awesome. And so when God wants to walk with man, like Pastor was telling us, God will first of all draw something in the canvas of the heart of a man. Praise the Lord. And so once God draws that picture in the canvas of a man, the man can go ahead to create. And so it is very easy for you to even see something and you can imagine the mind that conceived it. I mean, there are some songs you hear today and you begin to wonder, how's this man thinking? I don't know if we've heard, we've heard this song. Talofa, talofa, or something like that. How can a man sit and conceive that? The other guy said, what is bad penalty? Lost it throwing. The mind of a man. Praise the Lord. Now, but you listen to songs like, please pardon me, until the philosophy that Holds one race inferior to another. Tells you until that philosophy is totally and completely destroyed. Then everywhere will be trouble. The conception of the minds of a man. Now so you must see that like pastor was telling us. That there must be of necessity that God drops something in the spirit of a man. For the man to be able to create something that is worthy of time. Praise the Lord. And Pastor went ahead to tell us that there are dreams that God gives. And so he said there are three sources of dreams. One, the dream that comes from a man. Two, the dream that comes from God. And three, the dream that are called false dreams. Praise the Lord. So it's a series. Pastor just started the series. We'll be waiting for Pastor to exactly throw this series wide open. And we all will see what the series is all about. But the first instruction is that you should dare to dream. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's see something in, in Colossians. Colossians 1, 3 to 6. I have titled this message, The Conflicts of the Great Dream. The Conflicts of the Great Dream. Now, I didn't say the conflict of a, a great dream. I said the conflict of the Great dream. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now Colossians 1 from 3 I said. It says we always thank God. The father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith. In Christ Jesus. And of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from. The hope that is stored up for you. In heaven. And that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. That has come to you all over the world. This gospel is being, is bearing fruit and growing just as it is been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. Now, if the life of a believer and the gospel that is preached to a believer 
is not bearing fruit, then there is a problem with that gospel. Now, because anytime the gospel of God is preached, one of the things that the gospel should do is that the gospel should be able to create a picture in the mind of a man that would alter the walk of that man. That if it's a man that is going in this direction, the moment that man encounters the gospel, the picture that the gospel will print in the heart of the man will make the man take a U-turn from that direction and begin to face the direction that the father desires for him now if the gospel that we preach and if the gospel that we hear is not able to create to paint that picture create that dream then there is something that is wrong and so paul started writing to the colossians giving thanks for their faith their faith could be talked about their love could be talked about because when the picture of the gospel was painted in their mind something happened to them and their being was totally and absolutely changed Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so when you see a believer, you see a child of God, walk this faith, this face of the earth, and is living somehow, go and ask, what gospel is he hearing? And that's the problem with, as it were, the walk of faith today. The quality or the things that is emanating from the mouth of those that are saddled with the gospel has not painted any picture in the mind of people. And so God will paint something in the mind of a man. The kind of work you have with God cannot be separated from the picture that you have in your mind. It can never be separated from the picture that you have in your spirit. The gospel has the capacity to make a man, when Paul encountered the gospel, Paul said something. He said, everything I have before lived for now, Paul counted it as dung. Do you understand? Everything that has excited Paul, everything that has made meaning to Paul before he came to this great dream. Everything became dung the moment Paul had an encounter with that dream. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, brothers and sisters. If there is nothing that's altered in your expectation of life, if there's nothing that's altered in your desires of life, and you say you have met the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, look at what you met and question it again. Because the Bible tells us a story in Matthew chapter number 11. talks about the man that saw a great treasure, that because of the treasure the man saw, the man sold everything he had because he needed to buy something that he has seen something that no other person will be able to give to him something that his job cannot give to him his wife his children nothing can give that to him and so it necessitates that he would sell everything that he has to go and get what he has seen now you see god will help the church paint the accurate image of the gospel paints the accurate image of what he wants in the canvas of the hearts of the people of God. You go and you see some things and you're asking, for goodness sake, where is this coming from? I saw a flyer recently and that flyer was saying something. It said they are going to be having dollar service. And so if you're coming, come with the dollars. Come with your foreign currency. Come. We are having dollar service. Now, how can a man that stays under that congregation, under that teaching, how can the picture of the gospel be planted in the mind of that man? 
Brothers, sisters, God too has a dream. Just as men have dreams, God too has a dream. In case you don't know, I want you to know today that God has a dream. And that dream that God has becomes the substratum upon which every other dream is going to stand. That every dream, that when you narrow that dream down, when you drill down into a dream and at the end of the day, that dream is not making connection to the dream of God. That dream is not emanating from heaven. God has a dream. Let's go to the Bible. God has a dream. And I never deceive myself. The dream that God has becomes the standard for me to measure my life. If not, men will give me standards. And it will become false standard if I use the dimensions of men to measure the progress of my life with God. Because God has a dream. I use the dream of God to measure my progress. I use the dream of God to know how far and how well I'm going. I use the dream of God to tell myself, pull back. You are walking along a place that will lead to destruction. I use the dream of God to calibrate my life. Romans chapter number 8. Romans 8, 28 to 30. Let us see clearly the dream that God has. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let us stop there. Now if you read this particular scripture. You'll find out that there's something in the mind of Christ. The dream that God has is Christ. Brethren, never forget it. Never mistake it that the dream that God has is Christ. And everything that God is going to do. And everything that God is going to accomplish upon the face of the earth. Is going to stand, rise and fall upon Christ. And that is why every day what God is doing is walking Christ into men. Because when Christ gets into a man, then God can walk through that man. Praise the Lord. The dream of God is Christ. Let's read some other scriptures. And you see in that particular scripture, he said, the dream is that you will conform to the image of his dear son. The word conform means to be like essential nature, the character, the person of Christ. You conform that essential nature. God desires that when he peeps from heaven and see upon the face of the earth, everywhere what he's going to be seeing is Christos, 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 Christos. Everywhere, that's the dream of God. If you read Genesis, the Bible tells us something that God created man and he gave him a mandate. The dominion mandate that he gave to man. That he told him, refill the earth, replenish. That mandate did not end with Adam. Now, that mandate was given to Adam. But that mandate in its reality is going to be established by Christ. That just as Adam would fill the earth with ordinary, carnal people... God, through Jesus, is going to fill the earth with spiritual men that carry the nature and the DNA of God. 
And so if Adam would fail because of self, Jesus would not fail because of self. Now if any man will fulfill the dream of God for his life, man, that man must conquer something. That man must conquer the self-life because the enemy also always uses it to hinder you from coming to the place that God wants you to get in him. And so you see in that particular scripture, the mind of God is that every man will conform to the image of Christ. That Christ is the, is everything that is in the mind of God. That if you talk about anything that Christ, that God wants a man to achieve, accomplish in life, if you take away Christ from it, God is not in it. It doesn't matter how lofty. Ladies and gentlemen, men too have dreams. And the dream of man, like Pastor told us, is not necessarily bad. The dream of man is good. You will applaud it. It will bring about solution to everything that man wants. It, it will bring joy. It will bring pleasure to a man. It will bring riches. It will bring satisfaction to a man. But one thing that the dream of God never does, the dream of God never draws you to God. The dream of man never draws you to God. It takes you farther and farther and farther away once upon a time, you will see a man, you will see a woman that used to be in church, that used to be in a place of fellowship. The moment the man begins to pursue a dream, and the dream begins to come true, in terms of material things, you begin to look for the man, and the man is nowhere to be found. Once upon a time, you were nobody. The moment they gave you that appointment, nobody sees you in church again. Once upon a time, you were nobody. Now you had that certificate. Now you are flying everywhere. And anytime they call you, there's no time for fellowship with God. Have you forgotten that dream that you had with your maker? Those days that when you wake up, before you wake up, it's only your maker that is in your mind. When you wake up, the first thing that is your thinking is how to escape, to go and fellowship with him, to pray with him. When you wake up, the only thing that was in your mind was how to just lie down before. Have you forgotten those dreams? And, and now now all of a sudden something has come into your hands and that dream is dead God has one dream that dream being Christ Ephesians 4 verse number 7 4 7 to 15 let's run now but to each one of us grace was given according to the measures of Christ's gift therefore he says when he ascended on high he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, he ascended. What does this mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might feel all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You can never separate heaven's dream from Christ. That God is looking for the day that we will come to the fullness of Christ. That anything that you are doing, that anything that I'm doing, that that particular thing that is in the mind of God must form the bedrock behind what you're doing. 
Let's read. I, I want us to see the scriptures and be clear about what exactly the dream of heaven is. And when you're clear of what the dream of heaven is, you can now know each day when you wake up, you know exactly clearly what God desires from you. And so when you go about the things that you're going about, you know what God wants. Colossians 2, 1 and 2. Let me see this in NLT. Let's see this in NLT. Colossians 2, 1 and 2. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. That God does not have any other plan. That the plan of God is Christ. And that Christ that is the the plan of God is going to be the basis of everything that he's going to do upon the face of the earth. And so if the dream, the conflict you find between man and God is that everything that man wants, he wants to do, but he doesn't want God in it. Lord, you stay in your space. Let us stay in our space. And so we are able to create everything that we need to create without you. If you read Genesis chapter number 11, that's what the Bible said. And they woke up and they said, you know what? We want to build a tower that gets to heaven to make a name for ourselves. God was not in it. So it's not every project. And so you look at that people, you, you think that they are doing something. What's the why? Now, friends, I'm saying this because we need to understand that the desire of heaven, what it is, so that every day in your life, you know what you're asking God. Every day I know what I'm asking God. Finally, let's see Ephesians. Now, I'm reading the scriptures because it's very necessary for us to see these things clearly from the book as it is. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and everything on earth. Brethren, this is clear. I don't know if it is clear enough. But you will see from the scripture that the sin, the dream of God, as opposed to the dream of man, is that the dream of God is that everything has to revolve around Christ. And it's very simple. You need to understand that if God is going to achieve anything upon the face of the earth, he will achieve it through Christ. And if he's going to achieve it through Christ, then he's going to achieve it through the church. Because you, the church, and Christ cannot be separated. Praise the Lord. Now, but what happens is this. If that dream, if everything God is going to accomplish upon the face of the earth is going to be through Christ, what do you think the enemy will attack? The only thing the enemy will attack in your life and in my life is that Christ will not be formed in you. Because if that is what is going to bring 
to the fore the plans of God. And that is why every day you're just finding it impossible. I'm finding it impossible. And everything, every other thing can pass in my life. Every other thing is okay. I can find the strength to do every other thing. But you see, when it comes to the strength to conform to the image of God's dear son, I just find that, that I don't have the strength. When it just comes to that particular place of being like him, I just find out that I don't have the strength. I can be any other thing. I can do any other thing. I can accomplish any other thing. The devil doesn't bother. He can let me do, be any other thing. But the thing that he would not let me be and do is to become like him. Because the day you become like him, all the plans of heaven will begin to manifest through you. And so that's the reason why Children of God, we need to recalibrate. We need to recalibrate. We need to pay attention to the thing that is the core. Praise the Lord. What is this? This is Coca-Cola. Now, but the truth is this. In marketing, they will tell you that there's something they call core product. And there's something they call augmented product. And there's something they call actual product. And they tell you that a product is what the product is because of the core product. Ladies and gentlemen, what is in this thing is not Coca-Cola, it is Pepsi. But you see, it looks like Coke. Praise the Lord. And you called it Coke, albeit it's not Coke. But you see, the difference would be when you open and you drink. And when you drink, you say, no, no, this is not Coca-Cola. Why? The main product is the core product. Friends, the core product of the church is Christ. Every other thing is by the way. We went to universities. There's what we call elective courses. And there's what we call our main courses. You see, you can pass through. Uh, the elective courses, they can just let you, they just let you go. Uh, the elective courses, you just take the elective courses to complete your course. But you see, your main course, the core courses that will make you, whoever you are in that decide, you must, you must pass those courses or you will not graduate. Now, you see, what the devil has done to us is that we are beginning to major in the electives. And we leave the core. The electives of build house, the electives of buy car, the electives of be, being elected, being who is who in the society, the elective of, of whatever thing. The devil has sold the elective for us and we are pursuing everything about the elective but we have left the core product. You see, church, the day yourself and myself will stand before God, you will understand this thing that I'm telling you. That before God, nothing again matters but Christ. No man will stand before God and, and he's telling God of, of the exploit he did in the houses he built. No man will stand before God and tell God that, you know, while, while I was upon the face of the earth, I used to wear Prada. I used to wear Gucci. Lord, you need to see me. No man will stand before God and tell him those things. No man will stand before God and, 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 and tell him about these ephemeral things. You can't tell God about these things. The core thing remains the core. Lattering, you must understand why you are lattering. If God has said we will be the ones that will be at the forefront at the, at, of the gospel that will usher our Lord Jesus Christ, then we must be people that understand what that means. 
We must know the core and know what the electives are. And that is why you find out that in the kingdom of God, what makes the difference, it doesn't matter, it, you, you, it doesn't matter whether the man marries or he doesn't marry. He has a child. He doesn't have a child. He built a house. He didn't build a house. He didn't build a house. He drove a car. He didn't drive a car. All of those things are electives. It doesn't matter to God. At the end of the day, when the man will stand before God, God looks at him and God lifts his hand with joy that this one carried my image. The, the image in Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26 is that the Bible tells us Christ is the express image of the invisible God. See, it is very critical for us to understand these things and I'll tell you why it's critical for us to understand. That the first conflict that man has with the great dream is that man wants everything, but he never wants God. And so once that conflict is resolved in the life of any man, go and watch that man. The man will be great in the sight of God. You don't want to be great before God. You just want to be great before men. So the devil uses this particular strategy... That you can be anything, but one thing that I don't want you to be is that Christ should be formed in you. Now, if as I am, Michael, I eventually die and Christ is not formed in me, I've wasted the pains of the cross of Calvary. I've wasted the tears of the garden of Gethsemane. I've wasted all of those things. If at the end of the day I die because that's the only thing that those pains was for. He went through those pains. He withstood those pains. Not because of anything, but because he was hoping that one day he will look at you and say, yes, that's the reason why I went to the cross. That's the reason why I took the nails. That's the reason why I took the stripes. That one day I will look at my children. I will see myself in them. If I die and achieve everything and I do not achieve Christ formed in me, he will look at me. I've wasted the pains of the cross of Calvary. And every day, the only thing that is thrown at us is that very thing that would never make you be who he wants you to be. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you just find out that appointments are, more, are now bigger than your person in Christ. You can bow down to, let me not call names, you can bow down to anybody just because you want crumbs. I bless God for pastors sometimes, you see. I bless God for a man that would not bow down. Because he understands the God that is in him. And he understands what he is about. I'm not talking about him as a man. But you see, children of God, you must come to the place where you understand the thing that you are about and the person that is in you. And so you know the things that you can say, no, this is not enough. This one is not part. It's not enough. It can't change me. It can't alter me. I know the thing that I'm called to be. And so you can't move me. You can't shake me. It doesn't matter what you throw at me. I will remain standing. I will remain standing. Because one day will come. The appointments will not count again. Ah! See friends. 
Thank God for church council. I've been privileged to go to so many burials and so many, so many services of songs. Brothers, when you see the man lie there, the man's eyes closed, nothing again matters. All the things he's pursued, nothing again matters. All the things he has acquired, nothing again matters. All the things he has, nothing again matters. All the things he doesn't have, nothing again matters. At that particular point, the reality of living for Christ will dawn upon that part too. Ah, ahead of a man, when it was the time for this man to die, the man said before his death, he said, the earth is receding. I see heaven coming. God is calling me. Darling, I have to go. That's the kind of man I want to be. Heaven, heaven is calling me. The earth is receding. The earth is giving way. I see heaven calling me. Sweetheart, I have to go. The man stepped out. Because this man, while he was living, he has lived for his father. Now, the second conflict that you'll find out in the Bible is we need to define what have you come to collect from God? No, it's very important. The second conflict man has with God is what he has come to get from God. Now, God always wants to give man something else and man is coming to, to, to collect something else. Pastor Biola was preaching the other day and was telling us about the woman at the well. Now, God was talking about the Holy Spirit. The woman was talking about water. No, no, it's not funny. So, the woman comes and the woman wants water. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not what you want. What I've come to give you is not water. I've come to give you something that is greater than water. Praise the Lord. Oh, when God made Genesis, Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15, he said, fear not, Abraham. I am your seed and your exceeding great reward. Do you know what Abraham said? Lord, what are you going to give me? Seeing that I don't have a child. That this Elias of Damascus is going to be the one that will inherit me. Can you imagine God telling a man, I want to give myself to you. And you're talking about Elias of Damascus. You're talking about the physical baby. You're talking about a physical child. That's the problem with God with man. Man is always asking God for something less than what God wants to give. Oh God. In John chapter number 6, these people came to meet Jesus. He gave them bread and fish. John chapter number 5. Early morning before Jesus Christ woke up, they went scouting for him. And they came and they came to knock. And when they saw Jesus, <laughs> I, uh, Baba, when you, did you get to this place? And Jesus looked at them. He said, I know what you came for. You came to seek for bread. You came to seek for fish. And Jesus said to them, let's read that place so that we will see. Now, because this is the core of the, the gospel. Friends, ladies and gentlemen, what God came to give to you is himself. Are you listening to me? What God came to give us is himself. God came to give us Christ. That is the gift of heaven to man. And so when man comes to God, it is that gift that you are asking for. Is the gift that you are saying, Father, I know the gift of heaven. In the, in the scripture that I just quoted, Jesus said to that woman, if only you know what the gift of God is, then you would have asked God, you would have asked the Father, and he would have given you a water that never dries. 
If only you know what the gift of God is. It's unfortunate that in the church we don't know what the gift of God is. And so we come asking him for something lesser. John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. I'll read 31 to 33. NLT. 31 to 33. Ah. Kai. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Watch. Then Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread. Now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What God has come to offer humanity is Christ. And these men were there asking for bread and asking for fish. And so there's always conflict between God and man because what man is seeking is not what God wants to give. What God wants to give is himself. God wants to give Christ. And so the measure of the progress that you're making in your Christian pilgrim is Christ. And that the thing that you use to measure your progress is every day you're seeing yourself conform to him. Every day you look at yourself, the way you responded to a situation yesterday is not the way you're responding to that same situation today. Uh, the way you, you responded when they pricked you yesterday, they pricked you today, you find out that you're not responding. And uh, the way you will throw tantrums, the way you will get angry, you find out that you're not like that today. The way you handle disappointments is not the way you're handling disappointments today. You, we, we, we listen to such the scripture. Our brother told us about the things that rattles men. He tells you about the emotional challenges. He tells you about the financial challenges. He tells you about all of those things. But you find that, that the more a man becomes like Christ, those things don't rattle him again. Kai, the songs have also changed in the church. Those days they sing, they sing songs and they say all they want is Jesus. All they want is Jesus. Give me Jesus. And all I want, I'll be satisfied. But now we've changed to all kinds of things. And here we are. And so in John chapter number 6, you'll find out that what God came to give to man is himself. What you're looking for determines how you would walk. You cannot be looking for things and get God. So what you look for is what you get. And I told myself, I said, Father, I found myself in the midst of a tragedy. And what is this tragedy? Now, I found that people come to God looking for what he does not want to give. And therefore, he does not give them because that is not what he has come to give them. And now, they don't ask him what he wants to give them. And so, he also doesn't give them because that's not what they are asking for. You don't cast your pearls to the swine. And so, you find that that man on both sides now is losing. Now, the one that you're coming to look 
look for, he can't give because that's not what he wants to give. And the one that you're supposed to ask for, you're not asking so you don't get. And so on both sides, a man is losing. And now he tells you the model. He says, seek you first the kingdom of God. When you seek the right thing, you will get the other one. But we don't want to hear that one. Friends, listen to me. What does God want to give you? Listen and listen very carefully. God wants to give you himself. And that's what you will find in the book of John chapter number 6, 31 to 23. What does God want to give you? God wants to give you his spirit. Because he knows that by his spirit you will be able to navigate. He knows that by his spirit you will know his mind. You will know what to do, when to do, and how to do. He knows that when you have his spirit, then you can conquer the earth. And so he wants to give you his spirit. Let's see the scriptures. Let's see the scriptures. John chapter number 4, 10 to 13. John 4, 10 to 13. Ah, this is the place. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you the living water. Let's continue. So he tells the woman that awesome thing. Then the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. They hear what do. You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Hear Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will test again. Ladies and gentlemen, men are always looking for that that will cause them to test again. Now, what God gives you is the Holy Spirit, and when you have it, you'll never thirst again. Men look for things that will cause them to thirst again. Have you noticed that the building that you're building today, just wait for that building. In 20 years' time, if you give it to your children, they don't want to take it. Men will test again. I saw a Mercedes-Benz yesterday. That Mercedes-Benz, I think it's 1970-something model. Brothers and sisters, that Mercedes-Benz, the best thing that de- describes it now is antiquity. Now, but once upon a time, men could not get that Mercedes Benz. If you have it, you are Lord. As in, people will worship you. People will bow down. Things that will cause you to test again. You build the house, you will test again. You wear the designer's cloth today. Tomorrow it will become outdated. You will test again. Do you understand? Those things that you cry for. In fact, certificates get outdated. And that's why they'll tell you, after five years, you need to go and re-educate yourself. Because you will test again. It will get outdated. God has come to give you his spirit. And one thing he has come to give you. He has come to give you what? His kingdom. Fear not little children. Fear not little flock. For it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If a man comes to God and he's not looking for these things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, you've discovered that you have asked for the wrong things. I would never forget about how pastor told us that look, the most, the, the, the most disappointing thing that can ever happen to a man is when you struggle so hard to climb a ladder only to get to the top of that ladder and discover it's leaning on the wrong wall. Friends, we need to check 
we need to recalibrate so that at the end of the day, I will not have finished laboring and found out and God said, what's all this that you did? And now let me go as I begin to coast down. Now this is what happens. So I've shown you the two major contradictions. God wants to give himself to you being Christ. And the second contradiction is that what you're seeking is not what he wants to give. Now let me tell you how these things work. Now, the enemy, <laughs> ah God, the enemy knows man. Remember the Bible calls him that ancient devil. Now that word ancient means he's been here all his life. And so he knows man. And so he knows that what man is looking for is not God. And so what he does is he pushes to man the things that man is looking for. And man is there scrambling for the things that does not make any sense. And so you find out that if the enemy wants to pull your string, he will look at the externalities and he will shake and shuffle them. And if the enemy wants to pull your string, remember pastor told us something, is that the devil is a dream killer. And so many dreams have died and that I'm just trying to tell you how those dreams die. Now when the devil wants to kill a dream, he will alter the things within the physical environment of that man. Now because the man is a man that looks at the things that happens in his environment. He looks at the physical circumstances. And the devil understanding that man is always looking for the physical, always tweak the things in the physical. And so when he tweaks the thing in the physical, the dream dies. And when he adjusts that thing in the physical, he knows he has gotten the man. Remember the Bible tells us something about Job. If you read the book of Job, God was telling you a story so that you will understand how the devil deals with man. That's what the whole book of Job is about. Now, because God knows that the devil is a malevolent, is a malevolent spirit. And so when he was telling Satan that, have you considered my servant Job? He knew who Satan was. He knew what Satan was going to do. He knows that when he gives Satan the right to a man, he will cause havoc. God knows, and yet God does that. Think. The reason why he said, Go is because God is trying to tell you that the man is going to tweak everything in your environment. He starts from the children. He takes them out. He leaves the children, goes to the possession, takes them out. He leaves the possession. He goes to his health, takes it out. Now the man will begin to run crazy. The man is running elter skelter. The man will begin to verbalize and say things that he's not supposed to say. Why? Because the enemy has tweaked things in his environment. Brothers, listen to me. The Bible said we walk by faith, not by sight. And so when God calls you and calls me, we are children of revelation. See, listen, you cannot walk with God beyond the revelation that you have about him. Now, it is the revelatory knowledge that you have about God that will enable you to walk with him. And it gives you stability that regardless of what is happening in your environment, because you have heard what God is saying to you, you stand. And Paul will say to them, you see, I know that the storm is taking everybody out, but I've come to tell you there is a spirit of God to whom I belong. And that spirit has told me that no one is going to lose their life and so Paul is stable in the midst of all the storm the children of God walk by revelation we don't walk by circumstances if you walk by circumstances the enemy will always pull your string he will always pull your string and so he comes he looks at you through your wife 
he pulls your string and you lose your peace. Remember Job's wife? Job's wife came to Job and tells Job, what, what is all this your integrity about? Curse God and die. And so, pastor told us four factors that will enable, that kills the dream of a man. He says one is time. He said two is the enemy. He said three is the family. And he said four. Good. So you know them all. Now, all of those factors that pastor said, all of them, the devil is the one that works in all of them all. All of them all. So you see, the friends of Job. And that's why I'm saying, now God will help the children of God in the midst of every situation you find yourself. Pull back and begin to ask God, Lord, help me to know what this is all about. Because you're supposed to walk by revelation, not by circumstances. Now the friends of Job came to console Job. But instead of consoling Job, there wasn't the case of Job. Because they came, they look at how Job was now. They were not seeing God, they were seeing Job. And now they started to talk from the things that they were seeing. And God just simply expected a man to come and to begin to tell a man to, to look beyond what you're seeing. God is on your side. And so because God is on your side, this would not take you out. Because God is on your side, you will go through this. Because God is on your side, you're giving the man encouragement. But this man came in the midst of that situation, looked at Job and he started to say other things. At that particular point, Job could not hold himself. The devil was walking through his friends. He walked through his wife. He told his wife, curse God and die. Satan walked through external circumstances. Why does he do that? Now, in order to control the mind of a man, you're going to tweak the things in the environment of that man. That's what he does. But when God wants to control you, God will give you a revelation and when God gives you a revelation, then you can stand in the midst of any situation. Remember Isaiah the prophet. God will tell the children of Israel through Isaiah. He said, guys, you're going into captivity, but don't worry. After this captivity, you're going to come out. Why, why does God give such revelation? Now, he tells you about the storm before the storm comes. So that when the storm comes, you remember the promise that God has given to you. And so you're able to stand still with him until you pass through the storm. Finally, brethren, I would not end this without telling us the philosophy of a victorious Christian life as I round up. Every time you face challenges as a child of God, you have two options. The first option is for you to be apprehensive. The other option is for you to be expectant. For you to anticipate the deliverance of God. Now, what the enemy wants you to do is to be apprehensive. He wants you to fear. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you, like I heard something today, that why are you, why are you vibrating like a phone? He wants you to begin to vibrate like a, a ringing phone. Do you understand? And that's the whole essence. Have you ever seen that any time you go to an Alawo's house, the picture of the place, the, it creates fear, it creates horror. 
everything about the devil he wants you to fear. Now, God does not want you to fear. God wants you to anticipate deliverance. And so in the midst of a situation, while others are afraid, you are anticipating the deliverance, the salvation of God. Now, because once you fear, the dream dies. But once you anticipate, the season will pass. You're still standing. And once you're standing, you're able to bring that dream to pass. Some of us today, we can't love again. You know the reason why you can't love? The first dream, in your first love, your hands was burnt. And because your hands were burnt, you said you're not going to love again. Now the devil has served you a dummy. Who told you that the next one that is going to come will not wipe the tears of the first one? Now write this down. Our situations are temporal. Now I'm saying the philosophy that must guide every child of God. So that the devil would not destroy your dreams. If you don't have your mind set, the devil will destroy your dreams. Now your situation, our situations, they are temporal. Help me see 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. We know the scriptures. Paul said, why we do not look at the things that we see. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, he's coming to make you lose heart. Now, even though our outward man is perishing, he's always working at the outward man. He's always working at the outward situation. He's always tweaking the outward situation. And Paul said, we do not lose heart. Why? Because we understand that although our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Watch, continue. For our Light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a fear a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. That's a man that is anticipating. He's anticipating and he's seeing the glory and the deliverance of God that is coming through the things that he's going through. And so his body is perishing, but yet he's anticipating the salvation of God. The other philosophy. And so every child of God must know that what you're passing through is temporal. As I begin to round up, you must know. You settled in your spirit. In the midst of that situation, you're telling yourself, this is temporal. This is not going to last forever. Peter said, after you have suffered for a while, this is a while. God will establish you. God will do certain things after a while. So the philosophy in the mind of a child of God is that this is temporal. This is a while. This is not going to last forever. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy must come in the morning. The second thing that stands firm in the mind of a child of God is knowing what, knowing that some things that are happening to you, they are yet. They are happening. So the philosophy of a child of God is that if I don't have something, it's just yet. Do you have a husband? I don't have a husband yet. Do you have a home? I don't have, I don't have a house yet. Do you have this? I don't have that yet. Now, that philosophy is telling you that even though that I don't have it now, does not mean I would not have it tomorrow. <laughs> Do you understand? Even though I don't have a child now, does not mean I will not have a child tomorrow. Even though that I don't have this now, does not mean I will not have it tomorrow. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 7, it said things had not grown upon the face of the earth. Why? Because God has not sent rain yet. 
The rain is going to come. So while he has not sent it, crops have not come. Why God has not sent it, some things have not happened, but does not mean God is not going to send it. He's going to send it. And finally, the last philosophy that guides the child, the heart of a child of God, so that the enemy will not pull your strings, is like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can look that situation and look devil to the face. And say, even if our God does not deliver us, we would not bow. Friends, even if I don't get married, I would not bow. Friends, if I end up not having a child, I would not bow. Friends, if I, don't, if I end up not building a house, I would not bow. Satan, forget it. I'm not about to bow. So you don't have any strings to pull. I'm not about to give in. Just forget it. Perish the thoughts. I'm not giving in. I would not bow. The philosophies that guides the mind of a the child of God. And you find out that once that becomes your guiding principle, he doesn't have any business against you. The dreams of God that God has given to you will come to pass. It can't fail because no matter what, you are not going to bow. Let's rise to our feet. Let's rise to our feet. The enemy would no longer pull our strings in the name of Jesus. Because regardless of what he does in the outside, we would not bow. Regardless of what is happening to us now, we know it's just but for a season. What we are going through, our light afflictions, they are temporal. And so the dream of heaven will become our dream. Jesus, that is the awesome dream of God, is our dream. And that thing that God desires that we will conform to the image of God, we will conform to that image in the name of Jesus. Let's lift up our voice to the Father in prayers. Father, it's our prayer today. That the dream of heaven will become our dream. That Father, Lord Jesus, one thing that is in your mind is conformity to the image of, the, of your dear son, Jesus Christ. Father, in latter rain, we will conform to the image of God's dear son. There will be no conflict, Lord. Father, between the dream of heaven and our dream, we will come to you seeking what you want to give us. And Lord God, we would not miss out, Lord, on that which you want to give us. You've come to give your spirit. You've come to give your kingdom. You've come to give yourself. Father, Lord God, we will not lose out in the name of Jesus. Father, you remain the core, Lord. Everything, Lord Jehovah God, is just, Lord God, by the way, we would not give our lives pursuing things that would not endure forever. Thank you, our Father. Thank you for the things that you're going to do for us. Thank you for the dreams of heaven that will come true in our lives. Our dreams, Lord God, will align with the dreams of heaven. In the name of Jesus. Our dreams will glorify God in the name of Jesus. And our dreams will praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody give the Lord praise. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today. But it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's Word. I pray that the Word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts 
and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.